Welcome back to The Hustle Podcast. This is Anthony Armendaris, and today I'm here with my good friend, Greg Story. Greg Story is the Executive Director of Design at USAA, based here in Austin. I think he travels a bit back and forth between Austin and San Antonio. Uh, Greg was formerly a partner at Happy Cock, uh, and is also known as the guy full of hot air in the, in the blog, Airbag Industries. Greg, thanks for taking time out of your day to hop on The Hustle Podcast again. Glad to be here. Yeah, I think uh, the last time you were on the show was maybe two years ago-ish. And I think we talked about um, the future of the design agency, which became a pretty popular episode. I'm kind of curious. You haven't been in the agency world for a while. How much do you think about agency life these days? Uh, I think about it quite a bit because um, I still have quite a few friends that run their own studio, including yourself. Um, So... I wouldn't say I think of that on a day-to-day basis, but, um, you know, I definitely, it's on my mind at least once a week, sometimes more often than that. <laughs> yeah, I guess it probably, yeah, probably, it's probably like smoking. You can't, you know, you're probably, even if you quit smoking, you're always going to be thinking about it. Yeah. I mean, there's, a um, there's a certain excitement level, you, you know, there's, if I compare to where I am today, uh, where I was at IBM, and then, you know, before that running, uh, both Happy Cog and, and at the time, you know, at one point in time, Airbag was its own agency. You know, there, there's going to give and take. And so there's days when I wish I was, uh, you know, kind of back at the, the small studio and uh, with all the excitement of selling projects and meeting all the new people, learning about new industries. Um, you know, th- those activities compared to, Let's face it. When you're in large companies, not all of your meetings are are uh, you know fantastic. Um, <laughs> so <clears throat> it's um, in those times when I think about you know how to what it would be like to be in another you know smaller studio and be able to really run you know uh, operate really fast as opposed to the slow moving churn of uh, large companies. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. So why don't you take a moment and just, uh, you know, tell our guests a little bit about yourself. I'm sure a lot of people know who you are, but, you know, tell us, uh, tell us about Greg's story. Just like you said, currently I'm at USAA. I'm leading design for one of our essentially companies within a company. So I I lead about uh, 30 designers design directors, uh, we have some project managers, and our focus is on all the investment uh, uh, products uh, within that the USAA sells. Um, I've been in design for 25 plus years. I got started in the web uh, back in 96. From there, have pretty much made a website for, I can't think of too many things that I haven't made a website for uh, you know, in terms of of like industry and and verticals, um, small to big, you know, to enterprise. Primarily, though, you know, not only being a designer myself, but I found in um, uh, if I take a look back at my past, I've been in charge or leading teams uh, pretty much all along the way since um, uh, in those twenty five years. Yeah, it's uh, twenty five years is a long time. I can only imagine how many. Uh, one day it'd be interesting to, uh, if you haven't already, count all the design projects you've worked on. Have you? Have you? Do, are you? Um, are you pretty big on uh, archiving all the things that you do? And how often do you go back and look at the things that you did? You know, say ten or twenty years ago. Yeah, no, not really. You know, I think part of that has to do with the fact that um, at one point in time, all my zip disks <laughs> died. Okay. Um, you know, so I had a lot, a lot of my work was, uh, this is, but you know, before cloud, before all the, the stuff we have now that makes backing up so easily, you know, or, or so easy to do. So, you know, when, once I lost like my first 10 years, uh, I, I haven't really, yeah, I, I haven't really kept a, a back catalog of, of work. For those, uh, young people listening that don't know what a zip disc is, it's essentially, uh, an extremely large, it looks like a floppy disk, uh, maybe five times as thick. And it held what about 25 megabytes? Held a hundred and <laughs> no, it was about a hundred, hundred megs. megs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And they were notorious for f- one minute working and literally the next, uh, the click of death meant that that disk was gone. Yeah. There was, and, um, 
that's all we had. Well, like hard drives back then, while we had them, it was like, uh, you know, a 10 meg hard drive was what, 10 times the cost of a zip drive. And uh, so it wasn't as practical to have things like, quote, hard drives back in those days. <laughs> oh, man. That, that, as, as stupid as that sounds. That brings so, back so many memories. I, I, I wonder how much of my time I spent in college on my portfolio just trying to load director files on various zip disks just to be able to demo <laughs> a project. Yeah. That's, you know, software used to come on disk. <laughs> and I remember Photoshop was like, what, 10 disks, you know, to... Um, install and and uh, I think the the worst installation I ever had to go through was twenty five discs to install an application. Yeah, pretty pretty dumb. Yeah, yeah. So um, before we get into you know talking a little bit um, more about some design stuff, I'm curious. Um, you know, I I've never worked in a in an ultra large organization. What are some of the biggest uh, challenges that that you or USA Design faces? It's pretty easy. Uh, there's still a lot of people out in the world that don't know what design is. You know they they ha- they have an idea of what graph what what they think a design is is mostly graphic design, right? Um, there's not a lot of context for people out there in terms of, of how design has evolved into new ways, methods, and techniques for actually making, helping to make business decisions, um, helping to test theories, uh, helping to engage with users, uh, you know, just, just a, a couple of tools, and, and to put all this together to help shape um, and inform both the strategy of the company and its services and products that it sells. And that whole message, despite you know Harvard Business Review and Fast Company and whatever, name, name whatever business publication is out there, and design is now an annual issue. Design is now a regular feature in publications and conversations about business. But despite that, in these large companies, you know, where there are people like myself who have have but, but have been at that company for 10, 15, 20 years, I guarantee you, if you come across somebody who's been working for the same place for 20 years, the blinders that they walk around with are so big and they, they don't understand. They don't understand that they they don't know what they don't know to some degree. They've just stopped looking outside the company walls. And so the the biggest surprise to me is 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 that you know how much people get so comfortable that they don't they don't uh, you know go outside the fence you know in in doing so or, or in not doing so they're they're just missing kind of you know the the world evolving around them and um, they they typically chase after things once they start getting their butt kicked right and then they start paying attention to what's going on really paying attention to what's going on in the outside world. But I'd say, you know, by and large, design is still brand new, baby brand new to, uh, I would say, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people in business uh, today. Yeah. Um, but at companies like USAA, like even though um, maybe not everyone understands design, they at least, tell me if I'm wrong, understand that they need to invest in it, right? So maybe that's that box that's checked, but maybe it's about, is it about how to leverage it or is it to, or I mean, what, what is the, what is what, you know, for what you're saying earlier about people to understand design, I mean, what does that translate to in like actual problems that you face? Uh, is it about like how to get the right resources or, or doing the project right? Or like what, what kind of, what it's, yeah. it's all of those, it's all those things, you know, but we just, I still have uh, people coming to my designers and saying, Hey, uh, can you make this look good? Uh-huh. Right, and so they've they the business have in a vacuum uh, come up with what the solution is, and they don't understand that if they'd come to us earlier, we could have helped them ensure that you know has helped test their theories or their ideas about what the marketplace needs. Um, and I'm not talking about USA in particular. This this happens, you know, everywhere. Yeah. Um, there's there's just not. And, and I'd say it's I I kind of blame ourselves. I blame design. 
what I really see, you know, what's going on is it's it's a, just a large communication problem. You know, so people like myself and you, other designers, we're tapped into a lot of the same threads, right? We follow some of the same people on Twitter, on Medium. We read a lot of the same articles and books. And so, you know, to some degree, you think, especially after 25 years, um, you know, surely people have picked up on what's going on here and in, in kind of what we do, especially with all the, I'd say, conversation, sometimes argument about, you know, design having its seat at the table and, and we've got it. Uh, and now we, to some degree, I feel like we don't know how to, how to campaign. You know, we, we, it's, we, we got the seat and it's like, okay, cool. We're here. But what I'm seeing is we don't realize that we have to push, push on the campaign further, mm-hmm. right? We have to continually remind people who we are and what we do. Um, it does a great job of this. Right, and to some degree, just because of the way that that um, IT the, that world evolves, n- not to mention you know s- you, you still have to have IT around to you know continue to fix things. But IT does a great job of communicating to business and communicating the value, and um, you know letting people know why they're at the table, how to talk to them, what they can expect. You know, I, it, in my experience, I, I've seen where that part of the organization does a really good job of this and, and design does not. And, and I, one of the causes of that is, is that often design, you, you reference the check in the box. Yes, I think companies hire a VP or they hire a head of design. They give that person a modest budget and, and say, okay, go make the design organization that you feel we need. And I've seen this and read stories to know, you know, like this is happening on a larger scale, but um, you know, they the the said head of design goes and makes a plan and says, okay, this is the the design kind of uh, organization that we need to build to help you make world class experiences, and the business will come back and say, okay, um, you'll get half that, right? Mm-hmm. So while. I think there's a lot of leaders out there that recognize that design is important. They themselves don't quite understand why. So it's kind of like, I don't get this, but um, I'm not going to fully, you know, invest in this, uh, but I'll give you just enough money to stand something up to see, see how this goes. Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, again, and I want to be clear, that's not the story necessarily at USAA. That's more of a, an amalgamation of, of things that I've, I've seen, heard, read about. But I, I feel at, at large, at Fortune 500, maybe even Fortune 1000, that, that's what's going on. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you're right. I mean, it's like not, not everyone has the same problems, but it, I think it's a, a good summary of, like, you know, a lot of the challenges that designers face. And this is probably where, you know, related to this article that, um, you turn me on to call the designs lost generation. There's a couple of like a couple of things about that related to what you're saying that when I, when I briefly skimmed it, that immediately stood out, it's that, well, okay. So the, the seats at the table there and the boxes check design, but I think um, a lot of people are inspired by say startup culture, just like moving really fast. And so they're, we're moving really fast, but not, knowing why we're doing that or, or pushing back or making sure that we're doing it right or, or properly. And there, there's a, there's something from here that I'll, I'll just read out loud quote from Mike Montero's article. There's no longer room in Silicon Valley to ask why there are two words. Every designer needs to feel comfortable saying no. And why those words are the foundation of what we do. They're the foundation of building ethical framework. If we cannot, cannot ask why, then we lose the ability to judge whether the work we're doing is ethical. If we cannot say no, we lose the ability to stand and fight. Um, that's just a, just a few things that like stood out. I mean, a couple of different examples, like maybe in the enterprise world, like, you know, not really able to fully leverage design the way that we want, or maybe being inspired by the move fast culture of the, the, the Bay Area and, and modeling these, these organizations uh, after, uh, you know, Bay Area companies. 
but also at the, you know, in the, in the prod, in the smaller product companies, uh, a lot of companies spend significant amount of money on, on design, both internal resources and external resources. But the way that they design sometimes is a, is a really misuse of the, those budgets. Like, you know, certain things like just like churn for churn's sake, instead of like really leveraging design best practices to, you know, tackle a problem. I see this a lot too. Um, I think a lot of, you know, it's not as bad as maybe it used to be, but it is challenging to, uh, to navigate that sometimes. Yeah. And that whole, you know, fail fast mentality of my boss, uh, uh, Mariah Garrett, who's the head of design at USA. We were both that, um, Envision's first uh, annual employee get-together. And uh, Mariah spoke at at a panel there, and she said something that that I don't know if I heard anybody else say, which is she doesn't want to fail fast per se. She wants to fail cheap, right? And so what she means by that is uh, you could fail fast and spend a lot of money and a lot of effort that's misdirected, to your point. Uh, what we want to do is, is fail early, you know, and, and so that we're, we're not, we're avoiding all those costs, but yeah, that whole go fast culture, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think we're going to look back and say what at, at, by and large, what did that get us? Yeah. And, um, what, what, what had it did, you know, did it really improve the world by, you know, moving as quickly as, as we did, because we know from the stories, the few stories that Mike shared in his article, there's a lot of damage that could be done, a lot of collateral damage by, you know, not paying attention to all the, all the little uh, nooks and crannies of the experiences that we're, we're building and, you know, continue just to tack on more stuff to. And, and another generalization, but I, but I also see this emerging is that I think, you know, even, early career designers want to ask why, but I think sometimes they're scared to because of that move fast mentality. Like they're, uh, some, you know, sometimes too scared to ask why, or to take a step back and understand if they're really solving the right problem, favoring, like creating screens as fast as possible. Well, I, I think some of that fear comes from designers, not knowing enough about business Right to be able to kind of stand their ground, and and be able to respond to that that MBA graduate who's now putting, been put in charge of a, a ten million or fifty million dollar line of business, right? Yeah. And so uh, you look at the the product managers specifically the, that are in the Bay Area, all of those are MBAs and lawyers, and you know for the most part, to your point about generalization, and you know they're, they're just looking at. I, got, I just got out of college. I got this job, uh, and I, I got to prove myself. You know, I want to turn my ten million dollar annual revenue uh, line of business into a half a billion dollars, and I want to do it in two years, right? And so, if that's your mentality, then that's where this this go fast um, kind of no fucks given uh, attitude comes from, right? Uh, even when people get harmed, it's that's well, you know, you're. You got to break a few things along the way, you know, uh, kind of mentality comes into place. The, this, uh, this point about designers need to understand business better uh, is very relevant or timely relevant to me. Uh, we, last evening, Natalie and I spoke to uh, a, a room at ACC. And one of the questions they asked is, what, what do you think designers need to um, be taught more? And Natalie said business, like it wasn't a very deep conversation, but I think I think that is, that is, that is true Yeah, to, to be able to, you know, play at that level. But would you also say, or would you agree or disagree that these business minded people, um, say like a product manager that's thinking about, you know, doubling revenue should be thinking more about delighting users as a way to do that? Like, do you think that that's, do you think it's a, an area where, you know, de, you know, design and business needs to be better at coming finding common ground. Yeah. And I think that's part of design's role, right? Is, and, and this is, I, I feel like a lot of ways, all the functions of, you know, digital business are, are segregated. 
sure, yeah, you've got your teams that, with the product people and the designers and the developers are all embedded and they're singing kumbaya. But you know, how much does each each other know about you know the other's needs, and especially when it comes to the business, right? And so, I, I think that the whole thing of uh, convincing business that delighting users will lead to good, whether that's you know like whatever, uh, scaling your audience, uh, more revenue, better profits, whatever those things are. But in, until we can speak the language of business, right, and and we can to some degree talk their talk, then we're just going to be the people that make things look good. Um, I was just Ryan Rumsey, you know, he works uh, at USA now too. Uh, in strategy, but he sits uh, across from me, and we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks. About you know, and, and this kind of dovetails on that argument of designers need to learn how to code. Sure, but if I was to prioritize anything, designers need to learn business. They need to they need to understand that language. Um, and I would also add to that that designers need to be put on the hook for the performance of the thing that they're making. And that's something I don't think I've seen to date. Even when we were, when I was in the, the in the business of selling design and, and trying to think of new models, uh, you know, we were never put on the hook if the thing that we made didn't perform the way we thought it should. And that was, in a lot of ways, just because the business arrangements, you know, that were that we we worked through. There were times I, I tried to create new new models, new. Um, you know, ways of working with clients so that, uh, you know, we'd kind of stick around a little bit longer to make sure, Hey, all those ideas that we had, did it, did it work? Did it actually, you know, make the user do the thing that you wanted the user to do? And, and is the user happy? And, and I just could not convince anybody, any of our, our, um, our, our customers, our, our clients to, you know, I couldn't interest them in that kind of deal. Now, fast forward to kind of like where we are at USAA, um, you know the way that the business is organized is at the end of the day it's the the people that run the business that are on the hook to deliver certain amount of re- certain amount of revenue a certain amount of accounts all that kind of stuff why and I, I it, why isn't design right there you know with them why do why don't we share some of the burden along with IT along with you know strategy all the different players in there everybody should have a little skin in the game you know, for both, um, mm. you know, both good. Hey, if, if it, if we win and if we made the thing and it's, it's doing what everybody wanted, then cool. Right. Then celebrate good times. Um, if it's not, then I think that that the burden of that should be shared and we should, we should share some of that responsibility. That's, that's really interesting. Um, so there's a, there's a lot to unpack here first, like in relationship to this designs lost generation article by, by Mike Montero, um, there's a concept of accreditation, right. And tying to tying design to deeper, um, uh, understanding and, and, and professionalism. Then there's what you just said about, uh, skin in the game, which I find very interesting. It's like, well, you know, perhaps there should be a shared, shared metrics between like, uh, business roles and design roles, which include like, financial metrics and KPIs, but also like user delight and things like that. And then there's an article that Jeffrey Zolman wrote recently, I think, where he talks about why, or he's, I think, I think he's, what I think he's talking about is why aren't designers sort of designing post engagement, right? Like we, we, you know, we design this thing that, you know, we designed for a bunch of assumptions and of course, maybe we user test that, but what about all of the optimization and like actually fine tuning of the metrics post launch? Uh, you know, and, and maybe we should be thinking about about those things a, a little bit more. Uh, what do you What do you think about all that? Well, kind of, if I can work backwards, and hope I can remember each point. But um, that whole engagement that Zeldman's talking about, you know, where you you bring us in to design a thing, and, and as soon as we deliver it, you know, there's, there's a handshake, celebration, and then you know we're we're both on to the next thing, right? Uh, I can't tell you how frustrating it was to me that we would hand off dissolve our design deliverables and then our clients would just peace out, right? And and would yeah. rarely ever hear anything back from them 
uh, about, uh, there was one time, one time when we designed at, at Airbag, we just redesigned uh, some templates for the nation, which is the oldest running magazine in the United States. And they were an interesting group of people to work with, didn't know much about the web. They had hired another UX agency to take a look at some of their problems that had to do with revenue and member numbers. And that UX agency uh, came up with all the wireframes that was going to save their world. And they handed it to us at Airbag for, uh, for visual editorial design, right? So some people might call it just coloring the wireframes. It was a little bit more involved than that, but essentially we we did the thing that we were told to to do, right? Uh, we were not involved in the in the research, the discovery, you know, UX process. And uh, we delivered our files. They launched the new design, and uh, about four days later, I got an email from the publisher, um, and and she a very long email. And basically, she was begging us to please come back and help them because it was an absolute disaster, a complete failure. And um, at the time, I tried to explain, you know, um, I'm sorry, but we didn't come up with your, your new ad system. We didn't, we didn't design these things to some degree. You know, we, didn't, we weren't the ones behind the strategy. And it took a few more emails and conversations mm-hmm. for her to understand, you know, that, that that was the case. And and like since that time, I, I tried to imagine, you know, instead of let's pick a number, uh, you know, Anthony, I'm gonna hire you for fifty thousand dollars to design X, right? What I really should be doing is, Anthony, I got fifty thousand dollars. I want you to design as much as you can of X. Let's prioritize what that means. But I only, I only want you to work on it for half the engagement. The next half, we're going to implement what you've designed, and they're going to work with you for the next three months to tweak it, right? And that's, I, I could never, yeah. I couldn't, once I got the happy cock, I couldn't, I had a hard time convincing folks that that was the way that we should be doing business, right? And it, it just makes a lot of sense to me, really makes sense to me today. But yeah, so I, I completely agree with that idea. Yeah, well, that's uh, you know just chiming in. I mean, I I definitely understand that problem, and I I, I consider myself lucky because I think that's a from a, a problem that fund size as a business doesn't really face because our our model is actually uh, geared towards solving that problem in yep. the engagement model. So you know, for better or worse, sure there may be you know problems elsewhere, but you know. Uh, it's 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 about selling the engagement as a combination of both like designing and optimizing the solution, but also like a relationship versus framed as a project with an end. Yeah, and 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 lump sum, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I do wonder, and maybe you were about to chime in on this, and I interrupted you. But if we want to speak the same language of business, should we should we be tying ourselves to achieving? KPIs. Well, I mean, that's, I think to some degree, the reason that designers had such a hard time gaining the respect of business and others is one, uh, we talk a lot about empathy, but I, I would argue that the business would look back to design and say, you're not empathizing enough. Sure. You know how to swoop in and empathize for the customer through your research, but where is the empathy for for the business for your for your coworkers, right? Yeah. You want us to talk about design. You want us to learn your design thinking and do all the design things. But where are you meeting us in the middle? And a lot of times, I think the answer is nowhere to be found, right? Design and designers want to kind of live in the the bubble, and I, th- that's a pretty that's a pretty big generalization. I think the designers have in the past wanted to live in the bubble. I'm seeing more evidence that designers now uh, to some degree are seeing a bit of this too. Um, I think a lot of that desire to learn business from, from designers comes from the fact that when they're in meetings, they are lost in the sauce when it comes to the conversation. And um, as much as business has come to meet us in, in our world, I just don't, I think we got to learn to reciprocate and, and probably even go the distance, go even further than that to, I'm not, I'm not talking about t- 
turning designers into business people. I'm talking about a design, putting a designer and a business person in a room and they can actually have a conversation that both sides understand. And to the point that the business knows that the designer respects what is on the line and how much they are on the hook to deliver, you know, what that is. Uh, they're, they're looking for, for respect to some degree. And, and there's no reason why we shouldn't be, you know, trying, trying to provide that for them. Yeah, I, I think that's huge. Uh, you know, I wasn't really, I didn't know we would end up talking about this today, but I, 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 I agree with this. Uh, and there, you know, there's so, I mean, there's, there's so much here, but like, um, you know, a, a, and a, one example that might be relevant to a lot of designers that are listening to this is like, well, you know, that frustration that you get when your stakeholder, whether it be an internal stakeholder or an external client, like doesn't select your design. And so you, you know, you lose interest because like you, you get a bit butthurt or that, you know, the, the, the certain, you know, sort of aesthetic direction you didn't get, you worked on so hard it wasn't picked. And maybe sometimes it's because you, you know, to Mike's point, you didn't ask why, like what, what's the mission behind this project, right? Is it, uh, and really understanding the expectations, like, is, is it actually a value to the business to move slow or fast? Like, you know, what, you know, what kind of cadence are we favoring and what are the expected outcomes? Like, how do these outcomes affect the greater mission and why is this mission important? Not just to the users, but to the business and to the world. Um, yeah. This is something that I think about a lot. And I think the way that, the way that I'm approaching this right now is just fundamentals, like trying to sort of uh, redesign the creative brief or in a, in a way that becomes like an alignment tool for, you know, for stakeholders of very various roles to um, design the engagement together. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I love that a lot. You know, it's, um, it means a lot to business. In my experience, it means a lot to people in the business when you're meeting them for the first time, and and if your first question is, what can I do for you? You know, I, I get a lot of I get a lot of business people who you, you can almost see there's a bit of relief on their face because I didn't ask them what you know what kind of design problem are you having or you know what can I draw for you or whatever that is. You, you know, design is here to help. That that now is our you know, kind of through evolution, that is our role. We're problem solvers. And so like, what are the problems? Um, and I think if we can, if we can remember that, that that should always be our first question to our partners, you know, both even, even in, in IT, right. All around the room, what's keeping you up at night? I think it starts there. And, and then you mentioned KPIs. I, I think it's very difficult to be a, a good partner uh, a good team player, if you're the only one in the room who does not have KPIs, right? If everybody else around there has got some form of metrics, um, some some form of enumeration to help determine whether they're successful or not in their job, and design can kind of figure that out, the right metrics to help help measure something about design, uh, but when we enter the room or we're in, in those, those meetings and everybody else's ass is on the line and, and they're looking at spreadsheets, horrible spreadsheets, you know, with, with numbers that makes everybody's eyes glaze over. But those, t- those are the tools that are being used to uh, determine the effectiveness of that person's uh, job, their performance at that job and the effectiveness of that role. And then it comes to design and we just give that shrug you know, that emoji shrug thing, you know, there's then yeah. <laughs> that, that illustrates why it's taken so long for us to quote, get a seat at the table. Right. And why we still struggle even with that seat, why we still struggle to earn the respect of the rest of the room. And I, I, you know, I, I think it's uh, in addition to understanding the, you know, it's really understanding the impact of the whole thing. Right. And, so, you know, sure. Sometimes a design project is just about a design project, but very often it goes very much deeper than that. Like setting the stakeholder up for success, or you know, proving a, a different working model so that things can be better for the design organization in the future, or for 
empowering someone with um, ideas for alignment or, you know, there's, there's a lot of other things to understand in it. I think that, um, and, you know, the business metrics being one of those, but yeah, I think that if uh, designers can understand business and, you know, speak that language better, but also understand like what the importance of the, the work outside of just the actual design solution, I find that it's usually not as simple as just designing something, but it's, there's always something else, you know, there's always something else. And if it's a uh, documented, and like you said, if people understand, you know, what, you know, what they're there to do and what success looks like, then uh, thing, you know, well, maybe it, that's, it is, maybe that's but I also think it goes one step further, which is, so right now I have, I just had a conversation with a senior experience owner. And uh, okay. we were talking about how the, the, the team as a whole around this particular product um, is trying to work with one of my design teams to you know, figure out where, where do we get started on this project. Now, this particular um, experience has been on the books for a while. You know, it's something that they've wanted to do, wanted to do for years and they're just now coming around to, to finally being able to, to work on it. Right. And so in the course of those years though, other uh, parts of the company have done uh, what I would consider some pretty extensive research, uh, some primary, a lot of secondary, you know, a lot of things from reports that have come out from all those big reporting uh, companies. Uh, anyway, so the, the, the group as a whole feels like they've got a good pulse on, what we need to do. And when they bring in a new design group, that's, that's fairly new to the company and doesn't have that history. And they say, okay, what's the next steps? And the designers say, well, we've got to do a project kickoff and we've got to do research. Now to some degree, yes, that's the right answer. Right. Um, but then the rest of the business is, is stunned and to some degree mortified because they have, already over the course of a couple of years been, been doing some research. And so then all of a sudden there's this huge disconnect mm. between the business saying, well, we don't understand. We we've done research and design saying, yeah, but you, you didn't do it the right way. Right. And what where and this is the, the conversation that I had is what, what we need to do as designers is to have a little bit of empathy about the people that came before us and the effort that's already been put in play. And this is where we need to put our, our, our yeah. own business hat on and say, yikes, okay, the company has probably invested, you know, X amount of dollars in this and there's a lot of time in this. And yes, to some degree, there's, there's some pride in, in the work as it is right now from, from the people that we work with. And so maybe we ought not to swoop in and, and just say, Hey, thank God for you that design is here to make this right. You know, so one and two, um, I think just being pragmatic from a business point of view of how much research do you really need to do before you just start, you go make a thing and go test it. Right. And I think it's in that second scenario where there's a lot of room for us to, we we have to catch up in in some ways, right? We have to be able to come in and say, man, we have this whole process for how to design in the right way, and and we have to be mindful of the business to the point that we can can look to ourselves and say, we're not going to be able to do everything, right? We're not going to be able to do everything in in the perfect world of of design. So let's pick and choose some of our battles. Let's prioritize, you know, if we get to do one thing here to add to yeah. this, this project, what is it? And, and go with that, not sit there and, 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 you know, cross our arms and say, well, that's not the right way. And, and then just kind of shut down. Yeah. That's, um, that's interesting too. Like I, um, I use the word persona very rarely. Uh, so I'll just use the word profile, but, and with, you know, without doing like a formal document, one of the things that I encourage designers to do sometimes is to create profiles for their customers, not, not the, not the businesses customers, but the actual clients that are hiring us so that we can create that empathy that you talked about earlier. Like, 
you know, Jim Bob has been working on this thing for a year. He's hired two vendors. Both projects have been, you know, failures. You know, what Jim Bob needs is like a quick win yeah. and we get his trust or like, you know, or, you know, Su- Susie needs to see deliverables and like low fidelity before she can make decisions. But then, you know, at that point we can work like this. And I encourage people sometimes to think about that because um, I think what you're saying, well, it's interesting thought, right? Because, you know, we want designers to be asking questions like why, but, but our, but we need to be flexible about the, the way that we approach that. Uh, and we need to be empathetic about the way we approach it, you know, because if we, if we're, if we're too strong about it, then we, then we're, you know, we're, we're forcing our way in and, well, and potentially causing chaos. Yeah. And, and kind of getting over your skis. Right. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, Mike talks yeah. about asking why, uh, and, and saying no, but then what, right? What's after that? And uh, I mean, I agree a hundred percent with everything that Mike wrote in, in that article, but does designers need more than just that? Right. I remember, um, interviewing at Uber uh, three years ago and, um, I was like one of those all day things and uh, I wasn't offered a job and uh, I talked to uh, the head of design at the time, and he kind of gave me an indication that the reason I, I didn't get a job is that some of the younger designers felt that if there was something wrong about a design, that I wouldn't stand up and say, you know, stop, you know, or or why are we doing this? Um, which is kind of interesting. But th- and the reason I bring up that story is, you know, just saying why isn't enough. It's a good start. But you know you can you can stop the press, you can stop a room, you can be that designer in a review that stands up and yeah. makes a bold statement. But then where's the, <laughs> where where's that conversation going to go? And can a designer then you know talk at, on that level, mano a mano, with the business to defend why they're asking why? If I hope that makes sense, but. It's, it's, we need more vocabulary. We need more than just the why. Um, that's just the, 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 the scratch, right? It's, it's what we need to do, but there's a lot yeah. more that, mm-hmm. that uh, needs to happen uh, because we, we can do that now. But if we don't have the ability to carry on the conversation past asking why or past saying no, then we're toast. We're, we're no better off than we are now. Yeah, the, uh, the the concepts around, you know, all the discussion around a why or, you know, like I read lots of books about this stuff and you got to have a why, a what and a how. And, you know, yeah, it's important for everyone to understand so that they can execute a mission properly. Um, I've been really fascinated with this book called Extreme Ownership. Have you read that? No. Um, it's, uh, it's written by two Navy SEALs about the way that they design and execute special operations. Like it, it talks about everything, like how they, you know, how they create their briefing, how they conduct themselves, how they, uh, how they break into pods and how they make sure that there's like just, co- you know, total concept of alignment, you know, up and down the ranks. It's something that I think about a lot because, you know, I'm not, I'm not designing projects anymore. I'm trying to design the way people uh, work together. So, I mean, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, well, I'll, I'll ask you one more question about this because uh, I'm curious. You you said that that we need to be able to go beyond why. Like, can you elaborate a little bit more on some of your thoughts there about how like a designer in a situation like that, you know, should approach? No, I, I think it's it, it's um, I think it's a matter again of of you know the the why and the no is to some degree halting the process, right? Getting, attracting attention to, hey guys uh, and gals, I don't think that everybody, I think everybody's kind of drinking the Kool-Aid here, right? And I think the next step is to to be able to talk about the the why should definitely, you know, come up, the discussion should be about the design, of course, but what what is the impact on the business, mm-hmm. right? And that's, that's the piece that I, I think... Yeah. Um, that I, I hope maybe Mike will write about 
you know, I hope he carries on this this article and 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 builds upon it. Uh, he's got a pretty good start to a book, um, but uh, I, I would love to see more examples of of people uh, contributing, you know, w- their own version of that story and how they were able to talk about uh, the design work that was in front of people and and whether they they continued or they stopped, but what was also the business part of that conversation? How does a designer say, look, you don't want to put the button there because the impact to the business will be this, right? Or we don't want to continue features because we know that 80% of our users are looking for this, not this, which over time could impact revenue by this. Now, I mean, that's, I, I'm, I'm speaking in some, you know, I, I think that everybody needs to understand the business that they're working in, not just business in general. Because uh, I could tell you uh, selling annuities is different than selling life insurance, than, which is different than providing car insurance, right? So it's, it's uh, you know, should we know business in general? Yes. But when you're working, whatever you're working on, whatever is in front of you, whatever industry you're in, you need to learn the vocabulary, you know, as much as you can. And you need to understand um, what it is, what are the products and services that your experiences are uh, both selling and servicing. Right. Um, but, but that, that's, yeah. I, that's what I mean, you know, kind of going behind the, or going beyond the why. Yeah. That's really insightful. Um, I'd love to pick up your brain about that more sometime over a, a drink where we're, we're local to each other. And sometimes we've been good about hanging out, but it feels like a, it's been a while since we, since yeah, we've both been pretty busy. We should get some hangout, hangout time uh, for sure. Uh, that sounds, sounds good. Uh, before. Yeah. Yeah. Um, before, before we wrap up, um, I'm just curious. I mean, what do you, um, what do you hope to accomplish? Um, this year, 2018, like what are some of the things that you're going to be thinking about working on? Um, at, well, at work, one of the things that I'm working on is I've got design teams in Austin and in San Antonio. And um, some of those teams have been in the company for years, many years. And then, you know, in Austin, I've got teams that have barely been there a year, if that. And so there's there's a lot of cultural differences. Everybody's very kind to one another. We we hang out very well, and and um, you know when it comes to um, you know getting together as a family, you know when you when you've got I know this from Happy Cock, when you have two teams that are, that are come from two different backgrounds, have two different work environments, just they're they're two different entities, bringing them together. Um, where they act as, as a single organization can be very difficult. And at Happy Cog, we kind of got around that by virtualizing the entire company, mm. you know, by, by, so that we didn't just have teams in Philadelphia and teams in Austin. We had, we, we just took everybody, split them up and had five virtualized teams. Now, it was a really interesting experiment. And, and what it did is it immediately eliminated the, they have this, we have that, um, you know, kind of the have and have nots that went away overnight, but it also uh, created five virtual cultures, you know, whereas, you know, it, it created just different cultural problems. And so uh, one of the things that, that I want to be working with my uh, groups with my designers is what, what is appropriate? You know, it's, I think it's, um, it's not a good idea to force these two groups to interact all the time. Um, but at the same time, I feel like we, we need to be taking advantage of all the different experiences in the room, you know, to, so to some degree, how, how do I take all these, um, backgrounds and life experiences and professional experiences and, um, what are some of the events and the, and the celebrations um, uh, mm-hmm. that we should be ceremonies too, that we should be conducting to take advantage of a more inclusive group when we're together, right? And and where's that tipping point where, all right, it's just too much, right? There's just 
too too much trying to get everybody together. Um, that that's something I'm going to be uh, is is very much top of my mind right now. Uh, the other is finding a project to work on. You know, as I know, you know when you get up in the years and and I I'm certainly not designing anything right now. I've been working with Jen Derry on Plucky and uh, designed the um, the Plucky starter pack for having better one-on-one conversations. I'm very happy to see that that's, uh, from what I can tell, is being very, very successful thus far. And I think that's, we just scratched the surface on that. Um, but in that project, uh, I'm, I'm more of, you know, helping a friend. I'm not making any money from, from that whatsoever. Um, but more importantly, it's kind of, I'm kind of done with that work. Now I'm looking for the next project and something that I can, to some degree, maybe tinker on. But uh, I've got to find something because I, being a designer, and I mean a designer, you know, somebody with artistic skill, uh, and and not being able to practice that, um, it, it's starting to eat at me. Maybe you and I can find a project to work on together, because I'm in the same boat. I'm all ears. <laughs> uh, I um you know I I think you and I've talked about this about uh you know trying to find something uh editorial related and um so I you know I I've been I don't have any ideas that just you know pop off the page uh and in the interim I'm trying to read a lot more than I have in years gone by and uh, thus, uh, you know, if, I feel if you read more, you'll write more. So I'm trying to flex those muscles again as well. well that's awesome, Greg. Um, let's get together and talk about how we can create a create a project, but nothing else. Go go have a steak or something. Catch up. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Sounds good. Uh, thanks for taking time to uh, hop on the show again. Uh, why don't you um, let everyone know how they can uh, follow all of your adventures? Um, easiest thing is uh, brilliant crank. That's on Twitter, Instagram, uh, all of the things. If you go to go to airbagindustries.com, there's links to all of those things to follow me, and um, that's where I've, I've started to uh, write again. You know, so airbagindustries.com. All right. Thanks, Greg. Thanks everyone for tuning in. We'll see you all next time. Thank you. Cheers. Hustle is brought to you by Fundsize, a digital service and product design agency that works with inspiring teams to uncover opportunities, evolve popular products, bring new businesses to market, and prepare for the future. Learn more at fundsize.co. I'm Edgar Briseño, a design lead at Fundsize. Thanks for listening to Hustle and be on the lookout for our next episode.